If you are in crisis in the United States, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. This is a real and ongoing discussion about depression and suicide, about how it impacts individuals, families, and the society we live in. My name is Kevin Cotter, and I'm glad I didn't kill myself. All right, once again, welcome back to another podcast. And look at most of most of the audio issues. It looks like the only audio issues left are uh, have to do with me and not knowing how to do stuff. So, um, but let me, once again, we're going to, this week, we're going to be joined by Marilyn Koenig from, she's the executive director for Friends for Survival out of the mighty Sacramento, California, home of Sacramento State and the Hornets. Marilyn, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, welcome back. Um, I, I had actually, I had a very cool California experience today. I'm sitting in a parking lot typing notes because I'm in sales, so I have to type up my notes after sales calls and stuff. And the guy parks in front of me. He's got a Chico State alumni license plate frame. And so had a chat with him. So that was, and I, I texted my buddies a picture of his license plate frame. So kind of fun. So how are you today? I'm fine. I'm really glad to do this uh, with you, Kevin. Um, it's such a pleasure to meet you and to, and to hear more about, you know, all the things that you've been doing also. Um, so if the first podcast, if you haven't, if people haven't heard the first one we did a couple of weeks ago, um, we talked a lot about how I got involved. Mm -hmm. My son had died in 1977 and, um, cried for about three whole years every day and then finally my brain kind of got reconnected and it decided you know what, what do we do how do we help people um and how do we prevent suicide so i was really worked on youth suicide prevention in the early days and then met more survivor families that it, at were coping with the aftermath of a suicide death and that's where i i landed yeah. Um, so next year, it'll be 40 years that our, wow. this organization, another mother and I who'd lost her teenage son, also uh, just about the same time I did. And we kind of band together, found a few other couples and a few other people that had 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 were dealing with a suicide death. And lo and behold, it, we started out with eight people in a living room. And now we probably, um, I, don't, I don't know, it's eight, nine, 10,000 people have contacted us for help That's over amazing. the last almost 40 years. So yeah. we have so, learned a lot. Um, you know, you can read books on grief. There's mm -hmm. lots of books on grief and depression and yeah. suicide and, and so on. But it is a really, it, we, from the research, they, they know that after a suicide death, the grief is very, very complicated. It isn't mm -hmm. as simple. I shouldn't say as simple, but it has some unique complications. Like I do believe all deaths do, uh, yeah. depending on the circumstances of the death or the tragedy. Um, 
there are unique things that you that you end up going through and some of them you just don't even know you're in a black cloud and you just put one foot in front of the other and hope hope you can find your way mm-hmm. with suicide it really helps to have uh, other people to talk to who have been through it so what we do is peer support so what is called peer support so all of the people involved in our organization have all suffered the after effects of a suicide death um, that kind of helps people to feel a little more comfortable because even now there's still stigma and mm-hmm. there's still shame yeah. and there's still a lot of myths around suicide and uh, why people do it and all that sort of thing so it, that that is the complications of that we have to deal with because many people around us when when this happens your friends and family have come up with all kinds of different things like uh there's still there's still people think that if you kill yourself you're going to hell mm-hmm. and th- there are still yes i was people. a member of that church <laughs> well it's not just church but just no people. i know yeah yeah the um well for one thing people really didn't understand it and you know what what i i talk about when i do presentations is is and i say this and it, it's something we really have to have to get into our psyche that this suicide is not about death mm-hmm. suicide is about ending your pain mm-hmm. whether that's psychological whether it's circumstantial things that, that have gone all wrong um all kinds of things i mean i've, I've had people that uh, i've had people that were uh, that would kill themselves when when the police are knocking on the door and they know they're going to have to go to prison yeah so they they might kill themselves then you know we also have all these mass shootings um mm-hmm. where they do shoot themselves too because they know that once they've done the mass shooting there's 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 no, there's no going back and it it, it they're it's going to be terrible it, mm-hmm. and, they, and they don't want to deal with it and they can't deal with it i mean it's too horrendous i mean it, they, they are in a mind state where they're not thinking clearly at all and i yeah. think by the time that somebody does actually end up actually doing it i don't think they they can make my my perspective is they really can't make a decision there's that's not a choice because when you are at the point of doing this you can't think of the pros and cons of it so you can't make a rational decision it's not rational at that point because you're just thinking I can't do this anymore. I'm exhausted mm-hmm. or whatever, or the circumstances are such that I can't face them. Um, but many people have deep depression and anxiety and so on that they, that they've struggled with for so many years. And I, I think they get tired and they're exhausted. Oh yes. And they Speaking tried someone so that was there. hard. Mm-hmm. They hard, they're so hard for so many years. And sometimes when I hear some of the stories, I, I, I think I think to myself and I even say it sometimes, well, they tried for so long. Mm-hmm. They really tried. They had a good attitude. They 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 didn't want it to end this way. And they yeah. didn't want to hurt you. They're not. Sometimes you hear people say, well, they were just angry and they're getting back at you. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, no, that. that that's not what's happening. You know, the first, they're, they're the first, not trying to destroy you. Mm-hmm. The first, the first therapist I had, uh, really woke me up to a lot of things and changed my perspective. And one of the things she said, 
is, you know, the, the impetus behind either drug use or booze or whatever addiction people have, or even the, the, the suicide ideation that wanting the pain to go away, all that stuff is actually kind of good. You know, you're looking to feel better. You don't want the pain anymore. And, but you know, is what's another option? It's instead of the booze and the drugs and the, and the whatever else you're doing or, or the suicide. But, but yeah, there was that, that wanting the pain to go away. That's a good thing. Let's make the pain. Let's figure out how to make that pain go away. But yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, because people will say the question is, well, why did they want to, why did they want to kill themselves? Mm -hmm. They didn't want to kill themselves. They had to do something to end their pain and their situation mm -hmm. became unbearable. So, and because of the violence of the suicide act, and there are so many different ways that people do this, but it, it's still violent either way. It's violent. And for the most part, I don't know what the percentages are, but for the most part, people are alone when they kill themselves. We have some that have shot themselves like in front of their family mm -hmm. um, I, and all kinds of horror stories like that. And but for the most part, they're all alone. And I think that's one of the aspects that hurts so much is that they died alone. I, I couldn't be there to hold their hand. I couldn't soothe them. I, I couldn't talk them out of it. I, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I was powerless to change it. And you feel really powerless and helpless because you couldn't change that the, the yeah. scenario. We don't like the outcome we got. So yeah, you, these people are leaving behind a ton of pain for their loved ones. Oh. And that wasn't the intention, you know? No, no. And yeah, that's, that's i think something that that we should talk about more is is because the intention you're absolutely right and that was kind of my thought is to get rid of the pain it was never to cause anybody else any pain you know yeah um, right so the aftermath of a suicide death is complicated by the method this, the uh, circumstances surrounding it, if you find the body, if you, mm -hmm. you know, or if it's a public, it's found publicly in a park or something. I, there are so many, many and, and so many ways of people killing themselves. I mean, we've had people that have just given up on their addiction and their alcoholics and, you know, they, they, they isolate themselves in a room and just drink. And drink and drink and drink for two or three days and four days, to, and they kill themselves that way with alcohol poisoning. So there's so, like I said, there's so many different ways, and it also is it's terribly sad. It, it's somebody we cared about, mm -hmm. and this is not how we wanted them to die. No, you you don't want anybody to have to die that way with all alone and violent. And, and feeling helpless and hopeless. They felt helpless and hopeless too. They mm -hmm. had to lose all hope, all hope that they can go on living. Mm -hmm. So, and so that makes it also very hard. So because of that complication, as opposed to uh, a death by cancer or an automobile accident or something, um, you are traumatized. 
people are very, very traumatized and end up having anxiety. Um, and also, sometimes they start thinking about suicide. They're at a higher risk for suicide now because you've been affected by one suicide. You are now at, I think the research shows something like four times more higher risk of having another suicide. Wow. So if we don't provide some comfort and encouragement and education for people, we are going to have more suicides in the same families. And there, I've seen it many, many times. People call and they've got another one. We've got, we've got many, quite a few people that have had more than one suicide in their families. And sometimes when you find out your family history, mm -hmm. um, you also find out that there was more than one suicide. That can happen. I, I just saw that on Roots, on Finding Your Roots last night. <laughs> I was watching it, and there, uh, it was, um, anyway, he, when they searched his history, it was his, I think it was his great-grandfather, and first the son, and then mm -hmm. the, the, the father did, like a year apart, and um, I think it was his great-grandfather. He, he knew nothing about it. Nobody ever talked about it. Yeah. Well, people didn't talk yeah. about those things. Yeah. But they, yeah. they, they wonder sometimes why some people, when you look up some of your ancestries or look at your grandparents or something, you wonder why they're so sad or why they're not, they don't talk about things. But, but of course, a lot of times they didn't normally. But, mm -hmm. but then you, when you find out these stories, you realize how awful things they had to deal with. And years and decades ago, there wasn't anybody to help you. And it was a shameful thing. And they covered it up. It, mostly they covered it up as much as possible. Just like they covered up mental illness. Yeah. You know, hiding yeah. people in attics who are mentally ill. So the, mm -hmm. the, the community never knew this person even existed. So it was a shameful thing. And only because we didn't understand it. So what, what it helps us now, I think, better understand... Um, about suicide is that we got we can do MRIs of people's brains and see the difference of a direct mm -hmm. person as opposed to someone who isn't depressed but we yeah, didn't have that luxury years ago this one thing when when we were our first phone call you talked about how and I had never heard anybody else say this but that mental illness isn't a, an emotional illness it's a physical illness and we should start talking about it like that can you can you talk a little bit about your point of view about that well depression is kind of settles in the brain i mean it, mm -hmm. it affects your whole body i think yeah. you know but now i'm not a doctor i'm not a nurse i i'm a mom okay well i would say you're an expert at this stuff though i mean you've been doing it for 40 years if yeah. someone hasn't given you a doctorate yet let me give you the first doctorate that we've ever <laughs> awarded on this program so so why I say that is, you know, I, I don't even like the term mental illness mm -hmm. because it, it, this is a physical illness. You're, it's your brain. Mm -hmm. Your brain is malfunctioning. Your thoughts are depressive and all that sort of thing. And your body is affected too. your nerves and everything. But but it, it's your brain. Your brain is a part of your body just as much as it, your heart is, your gallbladder, or, you know, kidneys, mm -hmm. whatever. So why do we say it's a mental illness as opposed to a physical illness when it's your brain? Why? I mean, that's where the thinking might be. Yeah. But, but it, it's a brain has all kinds of functions. 
but so does your heart. Mm-hmm. So to me, in my simple thinking, it's 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 a physical illness. Yeah, I don't think it's that's a simple thought at all. More so than other other parts of your body. Yeah, I, I think it's a very profound thought. Yeah. yeah. Well, so so the aftermath is really really difficult. More than I I I I find it even deeper than I thought. Even even to this day, we have. Um, over about 6,000 families on our mailing list right now that we're, we help every single month with a monthly newsletter. Then we have Zoom meetings. We have six Zoom meetings and six in-person meetings in Northern California. And we get people on our Zoom meetings from all over all over the world, actually. We've got from 10 or 12 different countries. Or mm-hmm. We've heard from people that have been on our Zoom meetings. Um, so it helps to have somebody to talk to because of this complication because most of the time people around us don't get it and you know to be honest i never got it either i would never have understood this if i hadn't gone through it mm-hmm. I would never have understood it and other people say the same thing and i remember um we often have speakers at some of our in-person meetings and one of our speakers was a therapist a licensed therapist here in sacramento and he had lost his nephew to suicide. And um, I, I asked him the question. I said, you know, you have all this background as a therapist. And, and he was a mature man. He's in his 50s or 60s at that, at, at that point when I asked him. And I said, so he was already a therapist, I think, when his nephew died. Mm-hmm. And I said, did you? Did your percep- perception of grief after suicide change after it happened to you? And he said, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it's not at all what I thought. You know, he learned from his own personal mm-hmm. experience. So we have a list of referrals to professionals for people who are looking for a professional to talk to one on one. And that's one of the requirements is they have to be affected by a suicide death because I do think it's really hard for people to understand how deep it goes. The people that that are the hardest hit with this is moms. Research has shown that the moms are just, they're devastated. And I think part of it is you gave birth to this person. Mm-hmm. And so you have a different sense of responsibility uh, for them and, the, and their, their lives, even if they're adults. You kind of just have this different connection. And so the moms beat themselves up mentally so much about this they think back to everything that ever happened did did i do this wrong did i do this wrong well i should have done this or if i had done this would have done this they just it it is really a long 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 journey before they can let that go also in the beginning almost everybody wants to know the why why would my son do this or why would my daughter do this or why would my brother, my my spouse, whoever, it, once it happened, and many times we're blindsided, or even if they were at risk, we still don't think it's really going to happen because we've been able to save them or intervene and that sort of thing. But it still, it still is never clear to us what the why is, and we 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 want to know why would they have done this, and we go back over all the little circumstances and all the little things 
because pretty soon you kind of give it up because the why is never going to be good enough for us. No matter how much you can figure out or how many conclusions you can come to, it's still not good enough because we think, but they could have done this, they could have done that, or we could have done this, or that, you know, we could have avoided this or whatever. So the why is never good enough. It's not a good enough reason. The, the only people that seem to have a less um, harder time, less hard time with that is uh, people who have had to watch somebody have immense, immense struggles with mental illness so much so, you know, like they're uh, uh, schizophrenic and mm-hmm. they tried for so, so long and, and they're just kind of saying, you know, they, they struggled for 30, 40 years and they're really out of their pain now. Yeah. And they can kind of accept the why with that. Yeah. But we still think, you know, they should have had a longer life than that. Um, so, so there's a lot of trauma with the violence and the isolation, um, the lack of community and people around us that don't really understand it. So many survivors end up having to go, having to go, or at least feel like they should, and, and often they should get some one-on-one therapy they end up with ptsd mm-hmm. from it and it lasts for you know it gets to the point where the trauma of this is affecting their daily life their ability to go back to work sometimes they can't go back to work they can't concentrate can't focus it all happens is there's this this tape in your head that keeps running in your mind you wake up in the morning think they killed themselves my son killed himself it's the first thing you think of in the morning and the last thing at night and that tape is running all day long yeah and i've asked people how long did it last and most of them say for months every single day and it just oh it, i can i can see something like that going yeah. on for years you it, know it's in your brain and it in it pretty soon you find out oh i had an hour today i didn't think about it <laughs> you know and finally be finally it gradually goes away but the intensity of it is is just it takes over your life yeah it takes over your life completely yeah um physically um we've had recurrences of cancer and and the person wonders well you know all the stress i've been going through you know that probably mm-hmm. contributed to this we don't know that for sure but i have seen that um there's still a certain amount of shame that we personally carry around um, an awful lot of guilt and uh, sometimes anger I never got angry at my son or anyone else about it Um, but some people really can get pretty angry Mm -hmm. about the medical profession who didn't save their their person Mm -hmm. the therapy that didn't work um, doctors the medication that didn't work the doctors who you know, we're treating, reading a family member, but your family member never told you they were going. Yeah. And I, I, I think those are all valid emotions too, that. Yeah, they that are. Makes complete sense to me. Um, there, there's often a lot of memory loss um, mm-hmm. and you can't remember things that happened. One of the neat things I read one time and I printed it in our newsletter was about when, when you have a death like this, start writing down 
certain things that happen. You know, if, if you went, took your child to the park or just write some things down because later on, you know, two or three years down the road, one of your kids or another family member is going to say, do you remember when we did this? And you'll say, I don't remember any of it. <laughs> so if you yeah. write it down, you won't feel like, you know, you've lost your brain. <laughs> no, you that's, feel, no, that's like true. You. I mean, you're so overwhelmed that yeah. it's just stuff is not saving to the hard drive in your head. You know, it's you're you're just trying to take another breath, another step. Yeah, yeah. Ab so, absolutely. Yeah. So, and we end up being really, really depressed. And it's not a it's not a clinical depression. It's it's not it, it's just it's it's just it's an emotional thing that is just caused mm -hmm. by this trauma. So, um So what's is, what's the what's the your treatment protocol beyond the, you know, you you get people in talking to their peers and what's is there a process that people go through is there a, a curriculum what what has evolved well you know there's no real process because everybody's so different and everybody has a different way of handling it so however however you handled hard things in your life mm -hmm. is how you will handle this so some people know exercise helps them when they're stressed. So mm -hmm. I, we have, we've had people that run marathons and, and get sponsors and support us that way. And they've saying, you know, what helped me is that I, I went out and I ran, I had to ring. Um, and it also, sometimes that gets rid of your anger because you can be pretty angry with so many things and mm -hmm. so many circumstances. And until so you got the anger you got the guilt and you got the shame and you got the isolation because people don't know what to say to you or or they say crazy things that, oh, well, you know, if you lost your spouse, you get, well, you know, you could always get married again. And it's like, <laughs> can't replace that person. You can't. Be, or you have other children. Yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, God. Like, oh, but I, this, that doesn't replace the child I lost. Yeah. I, well, there's all that crazy yeah people say well-meaning and just the wrong thing to say you know yeah so yeah. part of it is uh when people call us we actually i i actually have it broken down into three different things we do the first of all is to acknowledge somebody's pain and i call that comfort first of all you got to comfort people you got to hold their hand emotionally uh even if you're on a zoom meeting or on the phone people have got to feel like like you're willing to listen to them without giving advice or judgment no advice no judgment just listen and share little things like they'll say i just can't stop crying and you know i say well actually it's a good thing to cry i mm -hmm. mean you, that means you got feelings and you got tear ducts you're supposed to use them so keep them washed out <laughs> And then they smile a little bit, you know, yeah. but um, so the first of all thing is, is to say, yeah. And I, I say, this is probably the worst thing you're ever going to have to deal with in your mm -hmm. lifetime. And it is for the most part, there are some other things that can happen that are pretty horrendous. Yeah. I imagine, but yeah, it's, but, it's no, I, brutal. It's brutal. Them going through this, but, yeah. but it is probably one of the hardest things you're mm -hmm. going to have to deal with in your life, especially if it's an immediate member of your family or, 
you know, you know, no. And if you're already depressed for yourself before all this happened, and you were suicidal, and then somebody in your family actually kills himself, now what does that do to you? Uh, you know, that is just mm-hmm. there, there's that's part of the complications that we have in this. So the next thing we do after after that is encourage people, encourage them to cry, encourage them to be angry, encourage them to keep searching for the why, encourage them to um, to, to to do whatever and express your anger. You know, mm-hmm. uh, one lady came up in, in our meeting said, well, she said, you know how you want to throw things or you're just so angry you want to throw things? She said, I decided if I threw ice cubes on the on the driveway, I wouldn't have to clean them up. <laughs> she should get a nobel prize so you know and and somebody else will and so when we have meetings somebody else will say you know what i was so angry so i'd go swimming and i would hit that water Mm -hmm. so hard when i was swimming uh sometimes it's digging weeds out of the yard and just yanking them and just you know just acting up you need to get the anger out yeah you need to you need to talk maybe to a therapist about the guilt you're feeling or even in our group meetings you know you can say you know we can we, we often say you know you did the best you could with the information you had mm-hmm. most of the many times we don't know that they're going to kill themselves yeah that, you know we don't know that because people keep it inside because mm-hmm. they're embarrassed and they think that nobody's going to be able to tell me it, nobody's going to be able to give me any hope or I don't want to be talked out of it because I'm now decided that's what I'm going to do. Yeah. So I'm not going to say anything because people will all gather around and they'll try to save me. Yeah. And I, I don't want to be saved anymore. I, yeah. I, I just have to, I have to give up. I can't do this. So, so we encourage them to cry, to express their anger, um, to talk to a therapist, um, to write journaling. Mm-hmm doing journaling um, and exercise. I also encourage them to make sure you, you go to your doctor and let them know what's happened so they can kind of monitor your health because this can affect your your sleeping ability. It affects your appetite. It affects your, your, your energy level. You are exhausted. Grief is exhausting and you mm-hmm. are so tired, just physically tired and emotionally tired from mm-hmm. the, the stress of this going on and on and on because it's years it's years yeah. in the making yeah. so we encourage them to do all kinds of things like that and but just to listen to them i tell them often say you know when when did you open your blinds today <laughs> you know just go for a walk down to the to the mailbox or down the corner and back today if that's all you can do just do that one thing if you live near a park or you can go to the park and just kind of sit and look at nature and and just kind of breathe um be careful be careful about eating uh, your diet and everything because you won't even know you're thirsty so make sure you're drinking fluids because you don't even know you're thirsty you don't even know you're hungry food doesn't yeah. even food doesn't even taste good yeah pay attention it's, to your self-care all of that it, mm-hmm. it just turns your your world upside down. It's somebody said it recently. She says it's like a volcano erupted in, inside of me. It, it it's unbelievable all the different things. But but by going to a support group, 
and hearing other people with the same same similar death Mm -hmm. Uh, not necessarily all the same circumstances but it's a suicide Um, you get ideas and and then you also see other people there that have been you know they they've got a couple years behind them and and they're 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 back to work they're they're being able to function again we've had people never be able to go back to work they they can't they can't focus and do the job they did sometimes they Mm -hmm do a little part-time job of something else, or they take an early retirement, had them do that. Um, so after we, you know, encourage everything we can, um, and we continually to do that. And we also in our newsletter have stories of other people's grief and they will express uh, one this month or last month, or it was July, talked about the anger that she had after her daughter died by suicide and how long it took for her. And she finally got past all of it. but. It was a long time. Yeah. So somebody else who can verbalize and write about it and express it. Sometimes we can't express it. We don't even have the words to say. Have you have you ever thought about compiling those stories in a book? Well, we we we've done um, something very similar. We've taken um, twenty years of our newsletter, and we've mm-hmm. got three editions. But we have taken out the best articles out of our newsletter and put them together in a book. So oh, we good. have one of yeah. those. For, and, and there are some wonderful writings of people that are very encouraging, but very real. Uh-huh. I mean, you got to be real with this. You can't sugarcoat this. Yeah. Yeah. This say, is the, oh, you'll get over it. You, you yeah. know, you, you know, you'll get over it. Oh, it's going to be brutal. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes people will say to you, aren't you, aren't you over it yet? And it's like, no, it's only been six months. You know? <laughs> it's like, please, you know. So, and then the other thing I do is encourage people to be selective about who they talk to, who you share with in your circle of friends mm-hmm. or family, and if there are people that say things to you that isn't helpful or, or or actually mean and hurtful, minimize your interaction with them or. Don't act with, don't interact with them at all if it's a friend or something you can. Yeah. But if it's family and so on, maybe you just need to not spend so much time talking to them. Find find safe people to talk to that won't judge, won't tell you what you've got to do. Because mm-hmm. I can't tell people what to do. I can suggest you, you you have a journal. I can suggest you go for a walk. But the bottom line is still going to be up to you. Yeah. And but just don't give up because I, I do know the intensity of this act will will begin to minimize eventually. And I say that eventually. I don't tell you how long. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's an eventual thing. So the intense emotional pain is horrible. It's just horrible. And so you very a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, um, fear the fear of that somebody else in this family or like like with me and many other parents or other people you know they're afraid about well who else in this family or in our friends are thinking about it and haven't mm-hmm. said anything who, who's connected yeah i mean I, I mean it's a scary thought yeah and then I'm, sometimes yeah. it's like you know what would happen if i did this in, in my and what would happen if i did this so we so, all think, we all think about suicide now. Not I shouldn't say we all do, but no. But many of us, you know, suicide is right in our face. Mm-hmm. 
right in our face. And so there's no avoiding, you can't avoid it. Um, I always say, I worry more about the people that are sitting in their closet with a bottle of vodka. You know, it's the people that reach out and say, I need help, you know, and each time somebody contacts us, whether they can verbalize it or not, what they're really asking when they call us, contact us is, tell me how I'm gonna get through this. How am I gonna get through this? Yeah. It's such a long process. We've got a large percentage of our families have been on our mailing list for over 20 years, 20 years. And I never would have dreamed that would happen. It isn't that they need our newsletter or our services that, that much, but a lot of times they still find it very helpful. They find it encouraging. And they also refer people and they've spent, they give their newsletters out to other people they run across. Um, when they're on a bicycle ride and somebody stops and they're talking about it or they find out about somebody else that's had a suicide death or just in conversation you know it's amazing people don't talk about um they really still don't talk about suicide that much and i had the opportunity oh four five six years ago i can't remember exactly but um i was in a I go to a fairly large church and there's a women's Bible study and there was probably, oh, 80 to 100 people, women, every like Tuesday morning in this Bible study. And it, they were having a study on Jonah or something and, and it all fit. And we, at the very end, she was, uh, the leader was having some of us get up and say something. And, um, and I asked her if I could, and I told her why. and. It, because it's it's all about Jonah. It was about I think Jonah and the whale. You know, eventually he got out. Mm-hmm. Ah. Shit. <laughs> Hold on. Okay, we're back. Sorry about that interruption, but but Marilyn was talking about Jonah and the great white whale. well what what why bring this up is because like i said people really don't talk about it generally speaking somebody has to bring it up so i got up and i told my story about how i got involved in doing all of this and i ask this question often when i do a public group uh, meeting now remember this was in a bible study with a bunch of women and many of them are moms and everything but I asked this blank question, how many of you have either known somebody who talked about suicide, attempted suicide, or died by suicide? Three-fourths of that room raised their hands. Hmm. Now, who would have thought? (laughs) They were shocked because they looked around and couldn't believe it. Even the pastor's wife raised her hand. So more people are affected by suicide, but we quietly live with it. Mm-hmm. And do we just need to reach out and get help and get some support um, either at meetings or in reading? There's some good books out there that you can read that can be supportive. And it would almost like being with somebody, uh, if you, some of the really good books. We have a long list of bibliography. In fact, it's on our website of, of books to read. 
And that's friends, friendsforsurvival.org, and that'll be in the show notes, but that's what it yeah. is. And and there is, and the books are all annotated, so you'll know which ones are parents that have lost children or which ones are for spouses that, uh, you know, have lost a spouse. Or we've got a section on men, men's grief, just men alone. Uh, and we got something about children's grief. Uh, so there's an all kinds, and then there's ones on just kind of major, but it's all about grief. Uh, so that that's one place where you can share just by reading a book. If you don't have access to some some support groups, that's fine. I, it it you know there are some out there, not as much as we really need for the numbers of people that are affected, but we we there are groups out there. And if you go to the um, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention has a directory of support groups, and you can find a directory there and look up in your state, in your area. Um, sometimes they're hard to maneuver through to get to the list, but anyway, mm -hmm. try. American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, which is AFSP. I think it's, a, a, I don't know if it's AFSP.org, but it's American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. And... Um, Contact it, us. It is AF, AFSP.org. I just checked. Okay. But, and, and or check in and call us or contact us. Go to our website. You can put to, put a contact in there and we'll get back to you. Send us a message. Uh, we have lots and lots of resources and handouts. You don't have to live in the Sacramento, greater Sacramento area to help. Our monthly newsletter and all of our services are free. We live on your donations, and uh, we also have a little county contract, so we get a little extra money that way. Nice. Um, because we're serving Sacramento County residents, in particular, mostly, a lot of them, actually. And um, so under the auspices of suicide prevention is why they are supporting and giving us a few dollars, because that makes a difference. And it is prevention. So... If we can help people, we can minimize their risk for su for suicide. And then there's the new number to call for the crisis lines nationally. It's 988. Mm -hmm. And please, if you're struggling, just please reach out and get some help. It doesn't need to end in such a tragedy as a suicide death. Yeah. yeah. Get some help. There are people out there that can help you. And, and Kevin here, he's got the background of, of his own experience and everything. He doing these podcasts because he wants to be helpful to everybody and help people to understand and help people to to live. Yeah, well, that was my whole point of uh, when I was going first in treatment was yeah, I wanted to make sure that people in their forties or thirties or whatever age they are don't live that long and not know that hey, you can you can address this. This is very addressable. It's it's not easy. It's it's probably the toughest work I've ever done, but God has it paid paid rewards, you know, to not walk around with that black cloud over me all the time, every you know, every second. Um, yeah. To be rid of that was such an amazing gift, and um, I'm I'm so glad I made a phone call, and so that's uh, that's why I do this, you know, just to make sure that. If I even get one person to make that phone call, you know, um, that then it's all worth it. It's all worth Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So, so what if somebody wants to 
have a friends for survival group in Boston or, or Oklahoma, Oklahoma city. It's what have people ever approached you about that? Is, is that. Well, actually we have a book called pathways that the state of California paid for. We wrote it and it is all about starting and maintaining and sustainable, effective support program after suicide death. Wow. So it's, uh, I can't remember how many, 130 pages or whatever it is. We have them uh, and we've been distributing them for the past um, 10, almost 10 years. And we just updated it about five, four years ago, three years ago, we updated it. It's a little bit easier to read now. It doesn't look like a government issue. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same material. Yeah. But it just is laid out with some pictures and some uh, formatting. But it's the same material that we had in it before. Is that on? I don't see that on your website. Is that? it's, It's called Pathways to Purpose and Hope. Okay, well, I'll find it and I'll put a link to yeah. that as well. Yeah, that's that's it, it, marvelous resource. I, I we wrote it. It is a culmination of thirty years of doing this, and mm-hmm. the board of directors and and the people um, is who taught us all of it because we didn't have a model, a template yeah. to go go by. You know, I, this is the book I wish I'd had. Mm-hmm. If we'd have had this, it, we would have been much easier because it's all broken down. It's a very doable thing. Um, the first part says, should you, should you even start a group? And there's there's some criteria there to look at. So you can evaluate this for yourself. Yeah. And we say you need a team. Get a couple more people. Don't try mm-hmm. to do this by yourself. You need more. You need about three three people at least to sit down and work on it and get PR. And it's all about PR. It's about fundraising. It's about facilitating meetings. Mm-hmm. It's about how to put together a newsletter. It's everything, every possible thing. Plus, it has a great bibliography in the back, which is also on our website. The bibliography is on our website, too. So uh, look that up. That's one of the other things that you contact us. We can mail that out to you. And, do and you we also, have other, is it also available as an ebook? No, no. Okay. You really need to see this in print. Okay. Really, we really believe it. But okay. it, it is a beautiful, amazing. I, I can't, I, I don't know how many we've sent out. I don't know. Well over a thousand over the years wow. of books okay. like this. We send them out of country. We've had people in Canada and other places that have gotten it too. Um, we also have a, lots of other printed resources too. Um, uh, We've got some books that have been donated to us that we actually basically give away. Um, so it, it, we've got Greek books. Uh, Iris Bolton has uh, written a little Greek book, and it's a, a it's a free it's a free little book, and it kind of fits in your pocket. And it's about the basics of grief, and it is a wonderful resource. She is a fabulous writer, uh, one of the early pioneers, and she's retired, and she's about 90 years old now and she's still <laughs> writing and still doing stuff. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm trying so, to keep, I'm trying to keep up with her. <laughs> yeah, well good. Good. You always need you always need people like that in your lives but so support resources on the Friends for Survival website. Uh, they've got resource sections for first responders, speaking engagements, fables and facts, teens or children and teens grief, helpful links, helpful books, the holiday checklist which yeah, I can imagine that stuff and helpful handouts. So 
Yeah, a lot of, a lot of information here. So, in the Pathways book, I don't see it here, but we'll find it. Yeah, it's on there. Okay. Um, it might yes. be under resources. Did you look well, under resources, maybe? Yeah, I'll, I'll find it. It's, yeah. It'll be, we'll, we'll put it in the show notes and... Um, and I'm gonna, yeah, so please, buy, please buy contact us. Too. Well, because I, I want to, you know, I, I would like to buy a copy and give it to my uh local NAMI chapter because you know, we don't we don't have anything like that, we have pure support groups and things like that, but you know, why can't we have this? That's yeah, absolutely, that's, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so what's What's been surprising about this whole journey for you? I thought I was going to get old and, and bake cookies for grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a mom. I always wanted to uh, have a large family and, and the family that I didn't have growing up. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wasn't interested in a career. When, when I was growing up in a teenager, you either could become a nurse or a teacher, and I didn't want to do either one of those, so I didn't feel like I could have a career. You know, you Not probably like became it. both of those. Yeah, I did. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, no, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I did. But I didn't know it, and um, anyway, and I enjoyed raising my family and, and being involved in doing things, and I've always been a volunteer. Uh for many, many different things. And so I just never knew I'd get in, have an office and a staff and a payroll. And <laughs> <laughs> But it has been extremely rewarding. I tell you, I get more out of this than I get. Yeah. I, the amazing people I have met over the years, I have met some spectacular people, um, famous people too. Amazing, you, you know some names. And anyway, I just and, and just the wonderful people that contact us. And I, I will say, if, if this person hadn't died by suicide, I wouldn't have met you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have met you, Kevin. Yeah. See? yeah. And, and so, we were in the same town for like five years. Yeah, almost the same neighborhood. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, you probably I, you wouldn't know, have been mad at me then, though. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, the people that contact us are loving, wonderful people. Because otherwise mm -hmm. they wouldn't even contact us. They'd say good riddance. Yeah. They're not saying good riddance. They're, they're just broken hearted and feel like, how am I ever going to get through this? You know, but we can, we can. And, and having that support and some encouragement and some education. That's the mm -hmm. third part of what we do. We, we comfort people, we encourage people, and then we try to educate them with printed materials, all kinds of literature. Learn about suicide. It isn't about dying. It's about ending your pain. Yeah. So. Well, and let's do that for everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and reach out for help if you're struggling. Yeah. Uh, please just do. There are people out there that care about your pain and that can be helpful to you. Yeah. It, yeah, because I can. Keep search uh, until you find the right person. Yeah, and I, I can say that, you know, going through this myself, if, if I would have ever known what grief it would have caused my family. I mean, I had this illusion that it would be better for them. Um, but now seeing people go through it and what it, just that void it's left in people's lives and that 
that unanswerable question, you know, what, what could I have done? Um, I would have never wanted that, you know, that no way I would have gone through any amount of pain to not cause my family that pain, you know, and, and, uh, so yeah, if you're, if you're struggling right now, there's, there's help out there and just keep going, just keep going and, and get the help address it. Don't, don't imagine it's not there because it is there, but yeah, it, Let's, absolutely let's figure out you know yeah call well, call it's 988 right 988 988 is the 988. Crisis, na- yeah. national crisis line and, and they will that will connect you to your local certified crisis line yeah uh, it, you know the closest one you've got to you but one of the things uh, that one of our staff people who lost her husband to suicide over 30 years ago said and she's been working in suicide prevention now she's actually staffed with us and she says one of these phrases that she said recently was if if you don't stay alive you you will never find out if it can get better yeah so stay alive get some help you don't need to end up in a tragic kind of death like this it doesn't have to happen absolutely not yeah so friendsforsurvival.org 1-800-646-7322 um, and call Marilyn up because you won't get a word in edgewise and it's a phenomenal conversation. <laughs> or, but you might get somebody in the office. Really? I, I don't answer all the calls anymore. I did. I used to answer all of them. You know, Marilyn, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. If, if, if you, if you ever have anything you want to talk about and do another podcast or let me know, I'm, you always have an open forum here and, and, uh, um, and if I can do anything to help you, please let me know besides get you Jim boys tacos. Cause I will next time I'm in Sacramento. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to put you on our mailing list so you'll get our stuff. Please, please do. That? I will, I will send you, I will send you my address and, um, okay. um, and everybody please make a donation. If you can, you can donate, uh, ways to help. You can make a donation right there. The Legacy Endowment Endowment Fund. You can donate your vehicle or volunteer or be a Facebook fundraiser. So please follow. Or or if you're shopping on Amazon, you go to Amazon Smile and designate Friends for Survival as the recipient. And we get a half of 1% of your purchases. doesn't cost you any more. It is how Amazon supports the nonprofit community. And it does. It does. called Amazon Smile. Amazon so, Smile. So, yeah, you can help us that way, even if yeah. you don't need our services. Yeah. Okay. So, thank you for everything you do. I, uh, I am in awe, and I don't say that a lot, but, uh, but, yeah, it's it's, uh, um, I'm I've it's been an honor to talk to you. Well, I am honored that you yeah. even asked me. Kevin, well, it's yes. great to meet you. It's good to and, meet you. And uh, you people are hearing this on a podcast, but we're actually looking at one another on our computers. So I, I, I'm looking at him. Yeah. <laughs> good, yeah. good to meet you, Kevin. It was good to meet you. Wonderful experience. Yeah. And thank, thank you, you for so taking much. care of all my old friends in Sacramento. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.